Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're continuing on our series for Training for the Glory. <clears throat> and tonight we're, we're going to get into something tonight that we'll, we'll probably spend more than one week on it because it is, it is probably the very essence of our walk with God. Uh, we were discussing last night around the fire, you know, the things that are coming and how to be ready for them. And what do we do to prepare? Well, there are a number of things, you know, some of which are natural. But the biggest thing we can do is to have our hearts as tuned into God as possible. Amen. You know, and I was almost said as humanly possible, but humanly is we are not limited to the humanly. Can you say amen? And as we watch the world around us deteriorate, and go right as the scripture said it would go. Um, you know, one of the things Jesus said was, when you see these things happening, lift up your head. Why? Because it'll be tempting to be depressed over it. And to go, you know, things in our nation, things in the world, you know, things in general. Just, you know, and, um, it, and one of the things we've got to do, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, he who believes in me will go in. I am the good shepherd. Remember that? He said, we'll go in and out. He will be saved and find pasture. I want to stick close to Jesus. How about you? I want to be able to hear him when he speaks. I don't want him to have to shout at me. <clears throat> you know, the Bible talks about guiding us with his eye. You know, I can, uh, Liam can be, getting a little bit rowdy or something like this and I can just go and he'll just okay you know he'll freeze because you know it's like okay you know and uh, we have a great relationship and he, he he's all boy you know he loves knives he loves guns he loves you know stuff like that and the latest is he he, he wants he wants to see ancient coins you know, and, and copper is something into it. I said, well, there are things that are a lot more valuable than copper, but copper's one. Though. Okay, fine. You know, we, we can arrange that and have plenty of copper coins with Abraham Lincoln's picture on them. So uh, anyway, um, I want to be as close to, the, to my father as I can because that's what's going to get us through. That's what's going to, it is that as the Lord speaks to us and we are in position that will allow us that after all these years of training and waiting, how many of you are expecting a, a patient's crown when you get to heaven? I know I am. All right. Somebody might say, well, I don't think there is one. Well, then he needs to make one. You know, I believe there will be something. Maybe it's just a, you know, I don't know. But in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus, it says, from that time, meaning that Jesus, after his baptism, and you know, by John, went out of the wilderness, and when he returned from the wilderness, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Change your thinking. 
change your believing before because the kingdom of heaven is here it's near it's here i guess that makes jesus one of those kingdom now guys huh anyway well you know and what he's saying is don't miss this guys don't miss this folks change the way you think and the way you believe i mean if you don't if you don't understand what's going on if you don't understand reality what is true what is false what is real what is a facade etc you you know you you just absolutely will miss out on so much that God is doing and so much that that we get to be a part and the implication well no it, it's not even the implication it's stronger than that it's it's in you know it's directly that if if you don't change you're going to miss it it'll pass you right by that's what the lord said to me 20 what was it 22 years ago it was in 2002 so it'd be 21 years ago last uh, september he said i weep for my people who are about to be left behind it doesn't have anything to do with the rapture it has to do with the good shepherd is moving on he is leading and we know that we're in that season of acceleration when things are racing now toward the the uh, the, the climax that god has ordained everybody knows that god has ordained it say amen. amen so as he began to preach and he called his you know and disciples began to gather to him matthew chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 says and when jesus saw the crowds he went up on the mountain and after he sat down his disciples came to him disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and began to teach them saying what was he doing? He was beginning to train them for, in, in renew, to renew their minds as to what is truth and to give them authentic. He began to teach them about real, authentic righteousness. Real, authentic godliness. All right. And we've already been through blessed are the, you know, the, the meek for, you know, or the, the humble for they shall inherit the land, etc. But we come down to verse 8. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that word see there is the word horao, which can mean to see with the eye. But generally speaking, it means to perceive. It means to perceive. There was this young woman who was, with whom I was in the army. She was on, uh, she was on the day shift. I was on a rotating shift, but she was on the day shift. And when I was on day shift, um, I could be sitting in my subsystem and, you know, with my back to the door and my, my headphones on, looking at an IP scope and, or looking at a demodulator or something of that working, and I would know that she had entered the room because she wore a very distinctive perfume. And a lot of it, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I, I kid you not, you could be there and go like that. And you knew she was there. I mean, I didn't even have to hear the door open or see any light come in from the uh, from the from the hallway or anything. I perceived her presence. All right. I perceived that. You know, we, I, I want to perceive God. I want to see God. I want to know what God's doing. I want to hear his voice. I want to know what to do, all right? And he says, blessed are the pure, literally the clean in heart, for they shall perceive God. Now, do not conflate 
the heart here with the spirit. You know, I know that that's done by a lot of charismatics. I've done it myself in the past. And it's largely accurate for didactic, for teaching purposes. But it ignores some crucial understandings about the heart. Let me... Uh, I didn't tell Carl I was going to do this. I never tell Carl I'm going to do this. But uh, I didn't, you know, know that I was planning on it. But, you know, we are, we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body, right? Okay. And so oftentimes it's drawn like this, that your outside is your, your soma, which is your body. And then your suke which is your uh soul and then your numa your your spirit and that's the way you know and it goes out but what i want to do is i want to zoom in on this right here and i want to say you know just draw the this ellipse two ellipses here and in this ellipse this would be the spirit and this would be the soul. The soul is where we think, feel, and choose. It is our intellect, our emotions, and our will. The spirit is the real us. Our soul is an extension in a very real sense of our animals have souls. You know, the, uh, the, the scripture says so. Uh, they have, you know, they, they speak of the, uh, the nefesh, all right? Um, how many of you have ever had a dog? Cats don't have souls, but dogs do, you know? I've already gotten blowback for picking on chickens. <laughs> so, you know, but dog, you know, dogs think, you know, you can tell dogs, you, you know, it's like, they'll look and they're, what's that? You know, is that a squirrel? <laughs> you know, and they feel you know, you can, if you raise your voice to your dog, they can do this. They feel, they, they'll feel fear. They will feel uh, remorse. You know, they're happy. You know, I heard a guy say one time that when you come home, the reason that your dog is so happy to see you is he thought you died. You know, out of sight, out of mind. You go, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I thought you were dead. You know, and so, so excited and wagging the tail, you know, and they will choose. And those of you who have picky eating dogs, you know they choose. All right. So animals can do that. But our souls are sentient, which theirs are not, because it, it, they're based in sentient means being self-aware because of the spirit. And what I want to introduce you to is that this part, this nexus, this place where the soul and the spirit meet. Hebrews talks about the division of the soul and the spirit, you know, the joints and the marrow. I'm going to call this the human heart because it flows both ways. Now, let me give you some scripture so you know I'm not just, you know, talking out of my hat here. Okay. Um, in... Uh, First, Second Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. You know, I've heard, well, your spirit, you, 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 you can't get defiled in your spirit. You can get defiled in your body. You can get defiled in your soul. 
But you can't be, you can't get a, you can't get that junk in your spirit. But that's not what this says. This says, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement, all corruption, all dirt that's got on us, of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In fact, in James 4 and 8, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your what? Purify your what? Hearts, you what? Double-minded. And so being double-minded impacts us because that double-mindedness is part of our heart. And literally, when he says purify your hearts, he's saying sanctify them. Make them holy. And, um, you know, uh, you know, you double-minded. And I want to go back with uh, to uh, 7 1 here, 2 Corinthians 7 1, where it says, from all defilement, the, the word for defilement means to smear with dirt. And so, how many of you have ever been reading something or watching something or heard something that you suddenly felt like you just had dirt thrown on you? you, you how many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and so, you know, and that is very, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a real problem. And that is that when I get in a place where my heart is not purely right toward God, can I have a heart that's not right toward God and still be born again? Absolutely. I mean, why would James write that? He's not writing to non-believers. Neither is Paul. In fact, the author of Hebrews, whom I thought I think was Paul, says in 3.13 and 15, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then in verse 15, it says, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As when they provoked me. This is written to believers, not to non-believers. It is possible to be called to righteousness, to be called to holiness, to be summoned by the Lord, to be enticed by the Lord, to be drawn by the Lord, to come closer to Him, and to grow in Him, and to become more like Him. You know, there's two kinds of righteousness. There is imputed righteousness, which every believer has. That is the righteousness of God that is imputed to us through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what gets us into heaven. Thank you, Jesus. If you can't get happy about that, you need another dip. Okay? All right? But then there is imparted righteousness. Once that righteousness is imputed to us from God, then what he wants to see is he wants to see in discipleship, he wants to see our walk, our thinking, our speaking, our behaving, to begin to be transformed and become more and more and more like him. Amen. That is that imparted righteousness. And if my heart is hardened, it makes it hard to believe. Remember when Jesus said, beware, they, they're on the boat. 
And they're rowing over to the other side. And Jesus said, beware the, the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, leaven of the Pharisees. Did anybody bring any bread? We didn't bring lunch. We're out here without, he goes, what? And they go, well, we didn't, we're sorry, Jesus, we didn't bring, he goes, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about bread. You know, how many, how many, how many loaves did we have? And how many fish, you know, and he talks about the two times that he had five loaves, two fish, seven loaves, and a few fish. And how many did we feed? Well, 5,000. How many feed this time? Well, 4,000. He goes, how is it you do, I, I'm not talking about bread. And they went, oh, he's talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. Why? Because when that gets in your heart, and that's what he's undoing here in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I say to you, you've heard it said, but I say to you, all right? Somehow, when our heart gets smeared with that dirt, it causes it to harden. And when we have a hardened heart, Mark 8, 17 says, we lose the ability to properly perceive God. Have you ever gotten in your car and started to drive away and go, man, because your windshield just looked like somebody had, you know, we've had these days where it was really, really windy, you know, like in the summertime and it's really windy and the dust is just everywhere. And then, you know, a rain shower passes through and I don't mean a full fledged rain shower. I mean, it just sprinkles, you know, and so. Mud drops keep falling on my head. <laughs> and they just, you know, on your, the big, and so you get and you go, yeah, I can't. How many of you ever know what I'm talking about? And that is where, that it has been smeared with dirt. It has been defiled. And we're having trouble seeing through it. Or, <laughs> how many of you have ever driven down the road looking through this little hole because frost covered all the rest of the of the windshield dangerous i've done it I, you know I, uh, you know and in fact and you, and we keep cleansing ourselves we have to cleanse ourselves I, you know this illustration comes to me uh, the first time i ever got in a volkswagen beetle the first thing i noticed is that my nose was only this far from the windshield it's like, man, you are right up here. And for those of you who have, don't remember back in the day, Volkswagen Beetles and Volkswagen Squarebacks and those kind of things, they had, they had um, air-cooled engines and the heaters on those things, if they worked at all, did not work very well until the car was very, very warmed up. And even then, they didn't do too good well I should say and I had a square back in Germany in northern Germany and it's cold and I'm driving from Teufelsburg Devil's Mountain where I worked you know uh, the the hill as we used to call it down to the flat where we lived <clears throat> and because that windshield is so close to my face I'm having to drive with my left hand and with my right hand scrape the frost off the inside of the windshield as I'm driving. Scrape, 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 shift. Scrape, 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 shift. 
<laughs> breathe out the window. That is, you might say, that sounds like an effort. It is an effort. And that described, we have to be careful, minute in, minute out, day in and day out, that that doesn't get, on our, get in our hearts. Everybody say amen. You'll probably remember that one. I know I do. Because <laughs> that car never warmed up. Not even once. All right. And Jesus addresses, you know, Matthew 6. You know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall perceive God. All of Matthew chapter 6 is about that one verse. All of it. And he talks, you know, about, he addresses, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees without even calling their names. In verse 2, he talks about sounding the trumpet to advertise the giving of alms. You know, hey, look what I'm doing, everybody. He says, that's, your heart's not right. Right? Or verse 5, praying long public prayers. You know, verse 7, he talks about great length, you know. Or verse 16, looking haggard so everybody will know you are fasting. You know, making sure that it would be obvious to all. Jesus does not say that that is spirituality. He says that is religion. How many of you know there is a difference? A lot of times spirit, religion can pass for spirituality and many times spirituality will appear to be very irreligious. Amen. The problem with religion is all idolatry is religion and some Christianity is religion because religion ultimately shapes God into whatever and whomever we want him to be rather than allowing him to be who he says he is as in the scriptures. I quote Dr. Tuttle again, one of my professors uh, in, in seminary, who said, if God is a triangle, he does not become a square simply because we think he's a triangle. We want him to be a triangle. We're certain he, I mean, he, we think he's a square. We're certain he's a square or a rectangle or a rhombus or an ellipse, whatever. A triangle, he remains. And it's, you know, we, we, religion has a tendency to shape God to our own personal taste. And it's a system created around a deity that be, benefits. That's what idolatry is, is a, a system created around a deity or a principle that we serve as a deity, but benefiting the creators of it. It's manipulative, it's self-centered, and it is without real power. Many people today who dislike the church actually dislike the religion that they found in it. How many of you with me? I know a lot of people who've been out of church a long time. And the reason they've been out of church a long time is not because they don't like Jesus or don't love Jesus. It's because they ran into a religious spirit and it has, it, it has left a mark on them. All right. Biblical Christianity is not religion. Biblical Christianity is a relationship with God. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Biblical Christianity is not a religion. Now, the world will look at it and say it, it is, but, you know, that's okay. We understand because we know they don't know. And, you know, it is a relationship with God. And if it is done biblically, 
then that relationship is called worship because it puts God at the center. Believers seek to know him better. And in that process, they are transformed. We do not seek him in order to be transformed, although we know that will happen. And that wouldn't be a bad motive. But we seek him because he is the end. And in that, it is the trans- we are transformed. I'm not trying to get something. I'm trying to gain him and to give myself to him. How many of you know what I'm saying there? Okay. And then instead of trying to give him a makeover, we let him make us over. You know. And that's the only attitude that brings his presence. Amen. Now, uh, in, you know, worship is not just singing, praising, raising our hands in adoration. Those are activities actions that are based in worship absolutely and it is for sure but when it's true worship you can do all of those things and your mind be somewhere else you can do all of those things and be going through the motions when you're actually in something of a tiff with God or perhaps even in rebellion in some area of your life and I'm not getting down to the picking of nits here I'm just talking fear I'm, 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 I'm speaking of Theoretic, you know, theoretically and, and, and practically that is possible. And when I, we worship the Lord, that splashes over into every area of our lives and causes that transformation. And I do mean transformation. Reformation is from the outside. Transformation is from the inside. Reformation is shaping me. Transformation is making me into something entirely different. Matthew 23, 25, and 26. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. You what kind of Pharisee? Blind. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, but the Pharisees were what? Blind. So their hearts, you know, he just talks about how their hearts were full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside may become clean. You take care of the inside, the outside will follow. All right? That's where the car analogy breaks down. (laughs) All right? My inward motives will affect my behavior. The worship relationship changes the way I actually live my life. It's an ongoing adjustment. Shift, scrape. You know, at all, you know, and remember doing that, honey? Remember us driving along, having to scrape, you know, the inside of the, 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 the windshield, you know? You know, she's over there. I'll, I'll never forget the time that she got an early, you know, I got an early down. I was, you know, I got, that means that it was a midnight shift, about 1 o'clock or 1.30. They said, ah, we don't need you tonight. It's really slow. You can go on down, you know, because we're on the hill, so it's down like that. And I asked if, you know, I asked her supervisor, I said, I've got an early down. Can she go down with, he goes, yeah, like that. And it's snowy, and there's, 
there's, I mean, there's six to eight inches of snow on the road, and they throw me the keys to the to the duty car, which is a, I think it's a 1974 or 75 Ford Galaxy. It's a boat, you know. It's a former mission car, so it had a 429 interceptor in it, you know. And they had gotten all the bullet holes filled in and everything, you know. Now, I'm not kidding about that. I'm telling you the truth. It was a mission car. So, and so when they retire him, you know, we got him as duty cars and everything. And rather than go down the front way, I said, let's go down the back way, which was like this and everything. And we hadn't been married very long. And this little Minnesota girl is just her heart is in her throat because here's this Oklahoma kid driving this Yankee tank down these very narrow, twisty, picky road, you know, f- with snow on it and everything. And I said, are you nervous? And she said, yes, you're driving on snow. I said, honey, snow's nothing. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm used to driving on ice. This is easy. You know, we got to the bottom of the thing and, and you know, hey, you know, it all worked out. So remember the time you and Christian has went and got over the back wheels of the van so we had a little bit of <laughs> we were in Iowa Whee! it was we made it and we didn't bend anything you know I'm t- I, you know that's the way life is I'm telling you that's the way life is one time we were in freezing fog and the only way we could see was because we had a truck in front of us and we're just following his taillights and I'm having to occasionally reach out and grab the windshield wiper and whack it, you know, to, to get the, the chunks of ice off of it. I'm telling you, saints, we constantly have to stay after it. Everybody, oh, amen. Okay, we'll put the car stuff away. My relationship with God doesn't just color my thinking and perception. It dominates it. It dominates it. It controls it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. There it is in Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this stuff will be added to you. His will. His way. His righteousness. His rule. So I want to come back to Matthew 6 and 1. Because it's interesting there. You know, even though he says, you know, stop you know, making long prayers and stop, you know, sounding the trumpet when you give. But that doesn't mean we don't. In fact, look at Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing, literally doing. That's what he actually said in the Greek. Beware of doing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your father who is in heaven. So it is possible to do righteousness. And they answered him not a word. Amen. In fact, we are called to do righteousness. You know, this hyper grace thing that's out there now is telling us that, you know, that this is Old Testament, you know, because it's in the Gospels and it really doesn't matter. But this indicates that the doing of righteousness is desirable. Not for scoring brownie points with God or impressing other people, but doing righteousness from the heart to please our God. Amen. In fact, we are not only called to do righteousness. Listen to this. Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad. 
and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride, who is his bride? We are, exactly. The church has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the what? Righteous acts of the saints. So I submit to you that our behavior does matter. I submit to you that we are called. In fact, we are expected to do righteousness. But when we do, it is a heart thing between us and God. The right hand's not supposed to know what the left hand's doing. All right. Um, Matthew 6, 3 and 4. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. It's covert. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Wow. Your father sees in secret and he will reward you. And, you know, pleasing him is the is the only reason to do anything, really. Okay. now, when I say that, I mean, you know, that we bless people and we love people and all of that. And we don't have to have a word from heaven, a rhema word to be a blessing to people. But you get what I'm saying here. And in the final analysis, if I can't emphasize this enough. You know, uh, we watch our football heroes and, you know, our... uh, and our pop stars and our football hero with a pop star, you know, or whatever, you know. And we have, a, you know, and we have a tendency to think of these people as larger than life and all of that. But you know what? They are going to stand before the Father one day, too. Every last one of them, all of our politicians are going to stand before the Father. Everybody is going to stand before the Father and give an account, believer and non-believer alike. We are all going to stand before the Father. And, you know, what I'm saying to you is, maybe your life hasn't turned out the way that you thought it would. I know mine hasn't. And maybe things didn't go quite as within what you had had hoped, at least yet. You know, it's not over. But if we have pleased the Father, that's the only thing that ultimately matters. Amen. Jesus even asked the question, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your own soul? All right? In fact, it's, come back here to Matthew 6. We're still Matthew 6. Look at verse 5. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. Ouch. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. What are they doing? Everybody's thinking, oh, Brother Lamech, he is so spiritual. What a, you know, because I'm standing out there. My name's Lamech. I'm standing out there and I am providing this ostentatious spectacle trying to impress and ultimately I want you to think about that if I'm trying to impress somebody I'm really trying to manipulate them 
I'm trying to, you know, get them to think about me a certain way. And there's usually an ulterior motive there. And the same would apply to fasting. True worship is a worshipful walk. Now, that will contain an element of ritual. But it will not be the ritual that, you know, we talk about rituals. We all have rituals. Most of you have some sort of a shower ritual. It's so that you get everything done, right? You start here, you do this next, you do this next, you do this next, you go out, you know, you do this and you brush your teeth or you, you comb your hair or, you know. The ritual that most of us do is we walk in in the morning and we look at ourselves in the mirror and go, oh my God, I need to get to work on myself. You know, see, you know, we do damage control, right? And, and so it, it, and I have my little rituals that I do. And if I get outside of them, I notice I struggle sometimes. And one of the rituals I have is when I get up in the morning, I do my scripture reading right up front. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do yours in the evening or whatever. Whatever works for you. I'm just talking about me. And, and so th that, that is my little ritual. But the ritual itself is not the saving thing. It is the grace that is conferred as I worship God in it. We, do our, we have a ritual in our worship. He said, well, we're a non-liturgical church. Really? Because we don't do Gloria Partri and the doxology and, and, and have responsive readings and all of that. Uh, listen, we have our own little ritual here. And it's very much like the early church. I can take you and show you from, you know, a service from the 200s. And it looks so much like what we do. You would think we're part of the same group. And we are. Hallelujah. And we are careful in our walk because we are aware we bear his presence. Um, that's why the priest didn't wear shoes. You gotta be, you're going to be walking into the very presence of God. You better, you're going to walk carefully. I've told this story before. I got it from my mom. Um, about, and you know, every, those of you watching by web, everybody in this church has heard this. Some of them three or four times. That's what happens when you pastor in the same place for three decades. But anyway, Larry says, I've heard, I think I'll, once in a while I'll come up with a story and Larry will say, I haven't heard that one before. So I, kept, I told him I've still got two in my pocket. I haven't pulled out. I'm saving them. But anyway, uh, there was a professor of theology from a great European, you know, university. From year, this was back in the in the in the dark ages, you know, or the Reformation time, which would be later. And he's going out to this river to you know, to do a little meditating and everything. And he can hear a monk out on this island that's out in the middle of this river who is doing a Gregorian chant, but he is doing it incorrectly. He's got it wrong. And it's just so chafing this doctor of theology that he rents a boat, rows over there, and comes up on this. And it, say, fella, uh, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, I'm not trying to be critical or anything like that, but I am the professor of, you know, what things in general over here at the, and all this. And I couldn't help but notice that you were singing, you know, uh, this particular chant, you know, this particular way, and that, you know, you, you're not getting it right. 
And so the, the monk, you know, goes, well, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't want to do it wrong. How, how, how is it supposed to be? And so the PhD gives him the correct meter and verbiage of the chant so that he can do it right. So he goes, you know, he, he, you know, and the guy, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Humble people are correctable. He says, I really appreciate it. I, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you took the time to come over here and talk to me. And, you know, I am. Thank you, sir. May God bless you richly. And, and think nothing of it. So he gets in his boat, your rented boat, and rows back to the other side. Sits down in his little chair and he hears the guy singing and he gets it wrong again. And he's like, ah. And while he's sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? He hears this splash and he looks up and this monk is walking across the river saying, how did that last part go again? <laughs> Whose heart's right? We don't have to be right about everything. Is there anybody in here that thinks you're right about everything? All right. A clean heart. We're going to, we got to hurry up before the internet shuts down on us. It does. Every Wednesday night, it's like somebody just... Pfft. A clean heart is a cleansed heart, not smeared with hardening clay. It's more tender. It's able to perceive the voice of the Lord. In transformations, our hearts become more like His. And so, for want of a better term, term uh, we get on His frequency. Okay? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart. King James says, Guard your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life i really like that's the esv i really like the way the nlt says it guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life and that is so true in first timothy chapter 6 verse 20 paul tells his young protege oh timothy guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. We have got to guard the gift that is within us. That is that barefoot walk, that worship walk that is all about pleasing him. If our musicians would come, we do righteousness. Everybody say amen. In fact, let's say that. I do righteousness. Say it again. I do righteousness. Well, the Pharisees did too, but their righteousness was, was hypocrisy. Paul even said concerning the law, you know, I, he was a Pharisee and concerning the law found blameless. Well, we know that isn't possible. Not in reality. Theirs, he's saying, I want you to do righteousness out of your heart. Their righteousness is contrived and it is mechanical. I want it to be a flow in you. I want it to be a, you know, I, I, I just want it to become second nature to you. It's just you do righteousness without even having to think about it anymore. How many of you notice that, that there are temptations that just don't come to you anymore because it's just no longer part of you? Amen. And that's and that's and that is that transformation of which we speak. All right. And we are all and everything we do 
is to be an act of worship. Amen. And in 6.4, coming back to 6.4 again, Matthew 6.4. So giving, that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. King James Version, the Western text, adds the word openly. Now I know some uh, scholars doubt the uh, authenticity of the word openly as it's placed in the King James and the Western text. But I'm not sure they're right about that. Because I do believe God does reward those who walk close to him openly. In fact, David seemed to think so. Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now this is the New American Standard. And I think that's the only version that uses the word cultivate right there. Which is why I'm using it. Because it is perfect. Delight yourself in Yahweh. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Yahweh. Trust also in him. And he will do it. Ah, look at verse 6. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light. And your judgment. His approval of you as noon day. Man. If you can't get happy about that. Hallelujah. That his approval will be, you know, and what is the light of noonday if it isn't the glory of God? Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, thank you for joining us. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I know there's a lot of people out there today that preach that, you know, that that's not biblical in Jesus never said anybody was going to hell. Well, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. And it says in John chapter 3 that he who does not have the Son does not have the life. He who ha does not have the Son, it says the wrath of God abides on him. So I think those things are pretty clear. And we're not going to redact the scripture. We're not going to say, well, I disagree with John. I disagree with Paul. That's death. Looking for somebody to jump on. The fact is that we must, to go to heaven, to walk with God, even in this life, not just the next, we must be born again. I made the, uh, I made the statement earlier tonight that everybody, all of our football heroes, all of our baseball heroes, all of our heroes of any kind, all of our leaders, all of them, from the greatest to the least, all of us will stand before God one day. And we'll be rewarded for what we've done, good and bad. That's what the scripture says. It says it in 2 Corinthians. It says it, you know, I mean, Jesus speaks of it in Matthew chapter 25. The fact is, you must be born again. And if you will repent, what do we say? Matthew 4, 17, Jesus started his ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you will repent and say, you know what? I am not headed the right direction. Just admit it. And I need help. I need the grace of God. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. Father, I believe that you've raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Oh God, I give myself, my life to you. And in that commitment of your heart... The Bible says the Holy Spirit will come into you and you will be born again. And you will come out of the, from under the boot of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Christian, 
If you say, God, I just want to be more pure in my heart. I want to be closer to you. I believe, help thou my unbelief. That is a prayer our Father will answer. Most assuredly. And in the days to come, as the heaviness and the darkness continues to increase, and it is, you want to have your ears wide open and clean so that as the Father speaks and as Jesus leads, you'll be able to hear him and you'll know exactly where you need to be. He'll have you, sometimes even accidentally, at the right place at the right time with the right word on your lips and the right thing in your hand. Our God is so awesome. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.